0: Once, getting ready for church was a big deal. Some of you may remember that. Suit and tie, not only, but hat and gloves for the women, patent leather shoes, purses for the little children, children dressed to a T. It was quite the parade. Do any of you remember that? It was an event. Getting everyone ready for church, though, was also an ordeal. Be honest, right? It was an ordeal. And I particularly am glad in your midst that the dress code has relaxed a little bit in this day and age. If you are here particularly a little before the service and in the hallways of Pittman Park Church, you'll realize that we are a casual folk. And that's a good thing. We come together in a variety of ways, dressed some, of course, still with tie and coat and some in jeans. If you come in the summer, you might see someone in shorts coming to worship. And you thought to yourself, where do they go? Well, let me explain to you that we have two worship services going on right now. Remember that, don't you? Aren't you glad that the worship wars are over, that we celebrate wherever people gather in the house of God and that we gather in so many different ways. I think it is a wonder that we have a contemporary service along with this sanctuary traditional service going on at the same time. Perhaps we have realized with our informality that the preparations of the heart are far more important to worship than the clothes we wear. At least I hope that that is the case. But we must guard against the mistaken notion that approaching the worship of God is a casual thing. We must remember that if we come together in God's name, this is a fearful thing that we do, not because God is bound to get us, but because his awesome presence should be overwhelming as we gather before him. Passionate worship is not about our coming together to squeeze just a little of God into our lives. It truly is more about taking our lives and melding them into who God is and what God is about. There should be this eagerness, this anticipation On our part, it is a necessary thing as a part of worship. Over the years, Sue and I have had as a hobby to feed the ducks. We've trained our children up in this as well. In fact, the day that we got engaged, we had gone out to feed ducks and I tricked her. I had a ring ready. We share together in fascination uh, certain ducks that we have fed that nonchalantly took the leftover bread that we had gathered and they ate it. But there are some ducks that really know what's going on almost before it happens. At Freedom Park at the little pond there in Macon, Georgia, Payne City, the ducks are well-trained even as we get out of the car, they see us coming. When we rustle the bag of colonial bread, they hear the plastic and they come running. And before we can get the bread to them, they are nipping at our ankles and at our knees with their quite sharp beaks they want to be tended to. There is a sense of There is a sense of anticipation in their coming to be fed. Do you hear me this morning? There is a sense of anticipation in their coming to be fed. At my mother's funeral just recently, I was speaking with the overseer of the cemetery um, in Adrian, just out from Adrian at uh, the church there, and we were talking, and he said, I knew your grandmother. He said, in fact, I remember her very well. Uh, she would sit on the third pew from the front. We were talking about this last week, weren't we, about people being known for sitting in certain places. She, she would sit at the third pew from the front, and I can remember her, he said. I can remember her reaching into her purse and pulling out her handkerchief and waving it if the spirit really got a hold of her. And she would speak but one word in that little church. She would say, glory, glory, as she waved that handkerchief back and forth. Now, in our family, I had heard my mother tell of a cousin of hers, an older cousin of hers, who would actually walk up and down the middle aisle doing the very same thing. It must have been something about either that county or that water or the culture of worship there. But he would take his handkerchief and he would wave it back and forth as he walked up and down in that place and he would say, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless God's holy name. But I didn't know my grandmother did that same sort of thing. I think... It is a beautiful thing to be in such anticipation that God is present that you would meet him there. Let no one mistake I will not judge you if you pull out your hanky and wave it in any service. The psalmist The psalmist has this sense of longing to be with God. And I know you picked up on it in the reading. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs. Indeed, it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Do you hear the expression of praise? And although some may not have seen it his way, they probably were complaining like you and I complain at times when things don't go quite right. The birds are finding their way underneath the eaves of the church and there in the temple it was the same way and people were complaining, I'm sure, about the droppings and feathers and, and uh, just all sorts of scattering of miscellaneous stuff by the birds. But when the psalmist looked into it, What he saw was that they had made God's home their home. They had made it their very dwelling place. It had become for them where they lived. And when worship, I tell you, when worship becomes routine, it becomes boring. It becomes predictable. And we must renew our search for God I would like to say that every sermon is going to be this thing that is knocked out of the park, but you know very well it's not like that, right? Sometimes it happens, but sometimes I just fall flat, you know? But if it weren't for you, worship would not occur. Not because of what is spoken, or even the beauty of the music that is presented, is because of your expectation that you would meet God in this place. And when you come with that kind of expectation, it almost doesn't matter what is played and what is sung and what is preached, because you're going to meet God. You're going to meet God, and he has promised that he would meet you. Remember, Jacob, don't you, how he took a stone and laid his head upon it? I can think of better things to lay my head upon. But that night he dreamt. And when he dreamed, he saw this ladder extending from earth all the way to heaven and angels descending and ascending on that gracious ladder. And he woke in the morning. And the first thing that came to his mind is that this is a holy place. God is present here. Bethel, this is the house of God, he called it. This is the very house of God. You remember the story of Moses, don't you, as he saw the burning bush and how he was there in his loafers and he got the instruction from God because he didn't know any better. Although he did know better, surely he knew better, but he needed to be reminded That when God shows up, this is holy stuff. This is holy ground. Take your shoes off, Moses. This is holy ground upon which we stand. I had the good fortune years and years ago to go on a trip with a group of pastors to the Holy Land. And in that time that we had there, we traveled around to a number of places that, it is said historically that Jesus uh, may have been when certain things occurred. And one of the places that we were told uh, by our guide, which is one of the most undisputable locations, is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. The uh, Church of the Holy Sepulchre is the location traditionally for the, the tomb where Jesus was buried and where Jesus rose from the dead. Now, it looks nothing like that picturesque place that um, many tourists travel to just a short distance from there that has more of this garden effect and the look of an ancient tomb. It's fascinating, though, to think about this because the church has claimed it so that that uh, several branches of the church have built up their their churches around this site and then connected them to produce this courtyard effect. And there in that place is the holy tomb. There is a priest that stands guard 24-7. They switch these persons out as tourists, file in to the tomb and lay their hands upon the very place that Jesus might have been laid 2,000 years ago. The stone bears the mark of the hands. It is worn down. It has been touched by so many persons coming into that place. As I went in, I was filled, of course, with a sense of reverence for the celebration of Christ's death and his resurrection. The priest that was there in all of his regalia with the vestment of his place, even on his head. He was standing there and bless him. He must have been there for a long time. I don't know if he had worked the night shift or what, but as I was walking into the tomb, I saw him lean his head back and give the biggest yawn. I'm going to start a series of yawns now. I know. He yawned so big, and I thought to myself, how can this be like the disciples in the garden, you know? Can't you stay awake just a little while, you know, at least for me to go through here and to absorb the power of just being in this spot? But it is like all of us, we lose this sense of awareness of, What is going on? What God has done about the closeness of God? We just lose the awareness of how powerful it all is. I read uh, an article in the Washington Post a few years back about Joshua Bell, who is this world-renowned violinist who had come to Washington uh, for a concert. I think it was at the Kennedy Center there. Um, While he was there he uh, got together with a few people who helped him to set up like a street musician in one of the metro stations in one of the subway areas there under the streets of Washington. And for 45 minutes, Joshua Bell played six Bach numbers and let people just walk by and listen. He had his violin case opened out in front of him and they wanted to see what the reaction would be. No one knew who he was. People walked past him. Mothers, when their children slowed down to listen, would grab the children's elbows and drag them on to far more important things that were going on. At the end of the 45 minutes, he had gathered $34.00 and some odd cent. That evening, he played to a sold-out crowd at $100.00 a ticket. At $100.00 a ticket. And yet those who were so near in that 45 minutes had no clue who they were listening to or how special that music was. You and I must bring our attentiveness. If this is going to be passionate worship, there are some must-haves to making that be. You and I must be attentive to the task that is at hand. I need your prayers in the preaching Tina and Becky need your prayers in the playing. The choir needs you to be engaged in the listening. All of us putting our efforts together in order that we might offer the very best that we have to God. And learning and dialoguing, even during the week, talking with each other about how we can make it better. You think the pastor might not want to hear your ideas. The pastor does want to hear what your ideas are even though I may disagree at times, okay? (laughs) I do want to hear what your ideas are, and I am far more flexible than you may even think. I want to create within us this sense of reverence and awe. I want us to know the holy presence of God in this place. For here in this place, ultimately what is happening is that there is this interpretive lens that we are given by God through which we can see the world more clearly. All of its hopes and all of its hurts that we can see more clearly in order that we can be God. His presence in the world. And I pray for that moment, that that precious moment when all heaven will break loose in revival. When we are so moved by what is going on, that there is this contagion, this invitation to others, this sense of wanting others to be a part of it that we cannot contain in this place any longer. Those that would come, those that are always coming and on the edge that are seeking to belong, those that are looking to us to see, do they really love each other like they say they love each other? Do they love God the way that they say that they love God? Will they love me the way that I need to be? Love, can I fit into belonging here in this place? You see, we have this sacred trust that has been passed on to us. It is the trust of worship, not just worship, but worship with passion. Worship done in the right way. To come with expectation. Into this place. Because this is holy ground. And this is a holy table to which we are invited. Christ's invitation. Can you sense it? Do you have it in your heart? Let us worship him in this place.